0: Good day, everybody. This is Doug Brown from Boston College and the Detroit Red Wings. I'd like to invite you all to enjoy this podcast at Rugger Matrix USA.
1: Thanks, Doug. Doug Brown, a hockey legend. And it's Rugger Matrix USA with a twist. Hello, I'm your host, Juro Sin, joined in a moment by Bruce McLean, as always, for a different look at coaching from a hockey perspective. But it all makes sense. it comes to rugby. This is episode 12 of Rugger Matrix USA. Yes, hello and welcome to episode 12 of Rugger Matrix USA. Bruce McLean, one of your boys has been in town. How are you?
2: Yeah, it's good to see that you saw Todd over in in Australia with the Lions. I'll tell you
1: what's doing with that moustache. What? What is doing with that mustache?
2: Well, I mean, between the mustache and the Baywatch outfit, <laughs> I mean, it, it looks like a, uh, looks like a, a, a- a bad movie of ill repute. <laughs> now,
1: you wouldn't have seen one of those, of course, Bruce, but it was terrific to catch up I, with him. I, I,
2: no, you know, I don't watch them,
1: <laughs> but I know people who do. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, we won't go into too much detail about it now, but great to catch up with him. We have a long chat, all about 10 minutes or so, and uh, this one's on video, so you can see it on the site and uh, have, a, have a chat to him. He talks a lot about the Lions and, and what they're up to at the moment, so... He's been a bit of a uh, superstar superstar this time around in Australasia because he's starting and uh, that's a big deal down under and uh, he's doing all right too. So, Todd Clever, thanks for coming on the show and uh, if you want to check it out, just uh, go to the previous story to this one. So, Bruce, uh, as we heard in the introduction, we've got a special guest coming up. Just wanted to say, don't forget, the caps are now available and uh, reasonably priced and if you pick one up, you'll be uh, supporting the team and... Todd Clever's got his, and he'll be walking around the rest of the Super 14 with his Rugger Matrix USA cap on. Now, Bruce, you've got a few things to take care of before you introduce our guest.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, Todd's always a great interview, I'll tell you. And um, so it's worth listening to. Just an update on Jonesy. Michael Jones at the from the Albany Knicks, who, is, who had broken his neck um a couple weeks ago in Fort Lauderdale. They are able to accept donations, uh, and all the information will be up on the website so that you don't have to sit there and write it down as we're speaking. And also, my friend Ron Leszewski from Team Prayer, from TeamWearPro.com, sent 650 pairs of boots to Kenya Youth Rugby, and I think that was really nice of them. And, you know... Kenya's really been coming in the sevens in the sevens and now with the Olympics coming on, Kenya's really gonna make a a, a big push to be a a player in world rugby as far as sevens goes. And it was really nice Iran to donate 650 pairs of boots to those guys and Gordon NMPU from uh, who's a former coach and he's from the Kenya Kenya Hallquist a former Kenya coach said it was came at a very critical time and it's going to be put to good use so Ron thanks a lot for doing that and without further ado we are going to bring in BC hockey legend two-time Stanley Cup winner he played for Scotty Bowman one of the only coach in a major sport to win in three different who win uh, championships with three different clubs. He swept the Flyers. He was on a team that swept the Flyers in the 96-97 Stanley Cup Finals. And saying swept the Flyers or swept Philadelphia anything is awesome. Not only did he play hockey at BC, he played lacrosse as a freshman, sophomore, and junior. And then he had to go a- attend the Hockey World Championships as a senior and missed his senior year in lacrosse. But without further ado, let's bring on Doug Brown. Welcome to the show, Doug. Thanks, Bruce. Good to be here. Well, one of the reasons that, that we have Doug on the show is, is I, I, had spoken to, I had spoken to Doug a few times about coming on, and, and the timing seemed perfect with, um, with USA Hockey doing very well in the Winter Olympics and USA Hockey doing very well in the Women's Winter Olympics as well. And I was speaking to Rob Holder, and he felt that we needed to talk to somebody who was an expert in the setup of hockey and because we he feels and and i feel that there's a lot of similarities in what we can do to copy the good things that have gone on in hockey to possibly develop our game further in in rugby to make america a, a little bit a little bit stronger than they are so basically we're gonna we're gonna ask doug some questions about hockey and see how they can relate to rugby and, and the first thing we want to do is talk about the setup of USA hockey versus the setup of Canada hockey. And, you know, I, I think that we're now a bit more stronger and developed than we were in the past. If you think about it, in 1970, there were 300 players in the NHL and only seven of them were American. You know, that, that's, now it's a lot different. And, Doug, if you could talk us through some of that.
0: Well, well cer- certainly USA hockey's come a long ways in the last 30, 40 years but uh there is you know as as rugby tries to find its way to the best way to map out uh youth sports and and uh develop for high school and college uh there is no magic uh pill or strategy each state we have usa hockey which is out of uh which heads it all up out of colorado and they let each state run their own program but what they've done is try to put in certain guidelines. For instance, there used to be different birth years. Uh, I don't want to say birth years, but they used to say what was what was the calendar year for the players. And now they've they've set it up so they just go if you're born in you know for instance with my children born in '92, everyone who play, you play that year. Everyone who's born in '91 plays at that year. Everyone who's born in '93 plays against that. So everyone is within a 12-month age. Uh, so physically, especially in those uh, pubescent years, everyone's pretty close to each other. In the youth sport, when you get around the age of thirteen, you'll find kids anywhere from eighty pounds to one hundred and sixty pounds, and that's a that that that's dangerous if you if you don't have uh, uh, pretty good guidelines so that so that it doesn't get too far out out of control. Because if you have a two-year span, or if one district has a calendar year uh, for a school year and the other teams going by uh, 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 the real calendar of of the January birth date, then you could get a year and a half spread and uh, size can come into problem and injuries can come into a problem. But if you keep going, uh, one of the big things that USA Hockey's done a very good job of is forcing and uh, legitimizing the coaching of all their youth sports. They've gone and made all coaches have to take a, a test and have to take a whole weekend of classes and basically it's two days of I'll say six hours of lectures and interactive uh classroom with different speakers who are ex coaches, who are who are tacticians, who are doctors, who are uh psychologists, uh so that these young dads uh and parents that are trying to help out with the youth sports can now ha- have a, some fundamentals to how, how do you act how do you treat a six-year-old boy how do you treat a seven-year-old girl the right way to, so that they are, are getting the right experience not only are you teaching them the skills but more importantly how do you how are you teaching them to be good young men and women and, and how to uh sportsmanship and all the other things that go along with it and, and train properly Many times when you have a 30-something-year-old dad and he's got his kid, all of a sudden he's all excited and all he remembers is what he did in high school in whatever sport it might have been. So you might have a high school experience in football and now you're trying to teach a six-year-old hockey player and psychologically, never mind physically, there's a lot of differences there. So USA Hockey, one of the strongest things I think they've done over the last 20, 30 years is make all coaches take a test, not a, take a test, take a class uh, and sign in, check in, get their 12 hours of training, and I'm picking the number 12, it's somewhere around there, 12 hours of training uh, every two seasons as uh, as they move up. And so there's a level one, two, three, and four. And as as basically most parents or coaches work their way up through whatever level their children move up, uh, every two years they go back in for refreshing, refreshing course. And uh, get Get up to date with with the latest uh, coaching and teaching methods and I think teaching's a much more important word than the coaching because developing of the skills is terrific and everybody's working on it but remember if you're if the if the child isn't in a healthy environment if it 's not like a classroom where where the kid is is learning to be a good young man at the same time then Things get uh, all out of whack and, uh, and the child will, will lose interest, lose, lose uh, the fun of the game and they'll be off causing problems on their way to the rank or leaving the rank or, or, or something else uh, during the game and, and to keep the game. It is a, it is a contact sport. You know, for me, there's three sports. There's hockey, football and rugby where you pound on one another in a contact sport and you have to have self-discipline. Uh, or else somebody can can really get hurt if you uh if you don't control yourself or you hit somebody basically a cheap shot uh and not show respect for your opponent so play as hard as you can inside the rules and not not ever put somebody's head is the best way to say it, in danger of, of getting getting uh severely injured and so I think that's what the, the coaching classes from USA Hockey is has done a very good job of making it a healthier game as it goes forward.
2: Yeah, Doug, my friend uh, uh, Steve Durant, who's the the director of Massachusetts General Hospital Sports Psychology Program, says that less than 1% of high school athletes receive a scholarship of any form. And gambling the happiness of the children on the athletic talents is a huge risk. Investing in strong character is far likely to to offer a healthy return. And I think that that's kind of what you're saying there. And I I wanted to kind of jam that into the importance of family and 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 the and the importance of parents in developing players especially in niche sports like hockey rugby where it's kind of difficult to play rugby requires a lot of travel at the high school and youth level and hockey requires a lot of travel and a lot of off-hour training can you just talk us about because character is a big thing to you and 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 much more so than developing skill as you said if you just talk us through some of that and and what how hockey is unique in that way
0: Sure. Well, hockey is an interesting sport because it's so hard to get ice uh, wherever you live in, in North America, and uh, that, that's at scheduled ice time. And you, it's early in the morning, it's late at night because there are so many players trying to get on it, and there's only a certain amount of rinks. Uh, so you, you, when when a when a child joins youth hockey, the whole family joins youth hockey, and it, it takes two parents to help you get to and from the arenas and uh, around. Uh, around the town, around the neighborhood, around the state, around New England. You know, you, you, a lot of times that, as your your child develops and he becomes stronger, uh, the league spreads out. And for instance, out here I'm living in Michigan now. Our league consists of Chicago, Cleveland, uh, even St. Louis. We play an awful lot. Uh, so Metro Detroit, we have we have certainly strong hockey, but all the other states want to play against us, and so we've invited them all into the league. But that puts an awful lot of financial and time uh pressure on the family, and everybody needs to be committed um I believe in trying to play as much of your sport as locally as possible. I'm not a big fan of traveling, but it is part of the part of the uh sport and it makes the whole family commit to uh be committed to a child's development and as far as the scholarship goes uh you you're right on how few kids actually get the scholarship but what what it does what it does is the experience of the whole family committed to your success and you becoming a good young man and learning those life lessons as you as you uh compete it it makes you appreciate your mother and your father and and, and your brothers and sisters that have to get uh pulled around through snowbanks and uh watch you compete all over the, uh, the neighborhood. And and so I think it, it, it strengthens, uh, back to the character and your self-esteem and learn to compete and learn to, uh, appreciate all those around you, you know, the, back to, you know, the, the contact sports, uh, hockey is one of those sports that if you don't show respect for your opponent and your teammates, because it's a contact sport, you open yourself up to an awful lot of, uh, uh, opportunity to get hit and so uh, you need to respect those around you or else the, the, it will police yourself the sport will police its own and it's important that that kids realize that that you're not you're accountable for what you say how you act and hopefully the coaches are doing a good job of of, of teaching you to be good young men and And i used to i try to use the expression that uh you want to act like the 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 uh, west point u.s U.S. Army and, and be precise with your with your attacks and and, and how you forecheck and backcheck and and nothing's haphazard. You're not just out there running around crazy. Uh, you're you're under control and 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 everything's done uh, with precision.
2: Yeah, that's also in rugby. you got to have a lot of precision when you're hitting, when you're tackling, a lot of precision when you're, when you're trying to scrummage and when you're hitting rucks and stuff. Precision actually matters, and, and it's, you know, it's one of those things. You hit the sweet spot of the ball with the hard part of your foot, and you got a uh, good chance. Now, the USA rugby community is kind of a, a little bit of a – they want to have two kind of set, setups, and, and you have very strong feelings on playing within your community. And can you talk us through that and, and why you feel that way?
0: Sure. So so the, the question is uh we the, the kids all play strong youth youth hockey growing up. And then the question is when you get to the high school age, do you play for your school or do you continue to play for in the hockey world that's called AAA A hockey, the clubs? Uh what what gives you the best chance of being a, a collegiate hockey player? And depending on what part of the country you're in, Uh, you fall into different philosophies. And uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, now living in Michigan. And in Massachusetts, high school hockey was strong. There was good coaching. And the kids, we would play an awful lot of summer hockey, even fall hockey, and then we'd play for our high school team. Uh, Right now, the kids are playing AAA hockey during the fall, and then they go play for their high school team. I, I like that philosophy uh Michigan right now is pushing towards that but i would still say 70% of the stronger uh, uh stronger hockey players maybe 60% of the stronger hockey players just play the AAA hockey and the and the season doesn't stop uh, i should go backwards Massachusetts they stopped the AAA program for a break for the high school season which is what you do what they do in youth in the soccer programs out here in Michigan and so on uh, Michigan doesn't allow that break. So the AAA season continues all the way through the winter. So a child has to choose between playing on the AAA team or on the, or on the high school team. And I don't think that's right. And so uh, the philosophy that Michigan has developed is, is to try to build up a strong fall league and so that a child can get 25 games in a, in a, in a high, high school all-star setup where you're, you're playing with kids from other high schools in a powerful league, and then go into your high school season and get back on your school. The big reason why I'm a big believer in playing for your school is because you become part of the community. You find, you play for your your mother and your father, your schoolmates, your classmates when they see you go down the hall. You're you're you you find your place in in the uh, in the school society. It's something that you've worked on since you're five years old. You've been playing youth hockey, playing a hundred games a year, and now for you to be in high school when you're 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 developing as a as a young man, you you want to be able to show that uh, how hard you've worked and to give back to the school. Um, there's so much development, and if the kid stays in just the club hockey, I believe he misses out on so much of the. The social aspect, and, and I don't mean that from a party standpoint, I mean that social interactive, uh, h- how you fit into your community if you're not playing for your school, if you're on the road all the time and you're away from your friends and your classmates. So after playing hockey for, we'll, we'll pick a number, 35 years, uh, the most fun you'll ever have is playing for your high school. Or For me it was. And then I loved college hockey. Obviously, I loved professional hockey. There's nothing else I'd rather do. But from that time on, it is a job. And when even when you play AAA hockey, and I have my boys that play AAA hockey, the kids come from all over the state of, of Michigan. As a matter of fact, we have kids that come in from many of the other states to come in to play for our, our team. Uh, they move in for the year at age 13, 14, which is a little bit crazy, but they want to be in the strong competition. But there is no... There is no bond. There is no uh, esprit de corps. Uh, You are you're coming in to to develop your hockey skills. And I don't think that actually develops the young men as characters nearly as well as when you play for your school and uh, the environment of a good, healthy uh, atmosphere that comes from uh, being part of your uh, community.
2: Doug, we want to talk about a little bit about skill development and developing players with a complete level of skills rather than one-trick ponies. We talked offline about one-trick ponies. And, you know, if you're able to perform a wide variety of skills as a team and individual, you're harder to beat, you're less predictable, you're tougher to defend against. And, you know, I'd like you to you know talk about the short shelf life of one-trick ponies, regardless of athletic talent. And I mean a guy who's just a scorer, or, or in rugby, a guy who's just a ball runner, but he doesn't have any vision or a guy who doesn't play defense or he has no kicking game, things like that. Like in hockey, you know, there's a wide variety of skills. If you could just talk us through what, what you think about that and, 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 and how having a multitude of skills plays into being a team player.
0: Sure, Bruce. You know, the, the, the expression I use all the time and, and is that if a coach is doing a good job, he's developing a hockey player. Not a right wing center defenseman he's developing a hockey player, and that hockey player should be as bright as the quarterback on a football team uh, I, I try to explain when I talk with other coaches uh, and parents that the children should learn learn all the positions psychologically. They might have a strength you know more defensive tendency or more offensive tendency, but a, a great athlete needs to be able to look. Around and read the body language of his teammates as well as the other teammates. And uh, for the for those in the rugby world that ever uh, heard of Wayne Gretzky in the hockey world, that was his greatest asset. Was was he could read the read the minds and read the bodies of those around him, just as a great quarterback reads where his receivers are going to go and where a linebacker is going to rush him from, so that he knows what's going to happen before it happens. And it's called anticipation, but a lot of it is just body language and, and reading reading your opponent and reading your own teammate. If your skills, if, if you're, uh, I use the expression, just a running back, if you can just go 100 miles an hour and you go as far as you can go until you run out of space on the ice, well, the other team, the boards are over there and the other team just cuts you off and as soon as you, you might get by him once, but then they're just going to set up their de- defensive system to to make you run yourself into the boards. Uh, you, the better you are as a passer and your intentions are how to use the players around you, the much more successful you're going to be as an athlete and the much more successful your team's going to be. So always the best passing team beca- is the most successful in, in, in a hockey game. Certainly you need speed and and you need the score and you need brain. Uh, you need uh, uh, an awful lot of bravado out there because it's a contact sport. but the one thing that makes a difference is is the smarter athlete those that can catch a pass and move it uh because they've already read the uh defense and read the offense players and and it's it's very much a hockey game is it doesn't stop every 7 seconds so it's constant flow for for a minute, 2 minutes, 3 minutes and the players are changing on the fly and you're coming from from all over different angles and it's organized but uh, i i call it uh it, it's chaotic and you need to constantly be reading body language of players coming from different direction and it's an awful lot like when a quarterback rolls out of the pocket in football and uh the blitz is coming and you have to find receivers and everyone's breaking off of their patterns well hockey the whole sport is like that you have to make it up on the fly and so if you can only if you're only worried about how far you can go you're not you don't see the opportunities for who to pass to and when to pass to them. And it slows down the process of how quickly the puck could move down the ice and uh, goal-scoring opportunities disappear. So the sooner you make a pass, the better off you are, and you don't, ha- you don't have to worry about taking uh, nearly as many hits or the exhaustion. The game slows down and uh, gets stuck in the mud, for lack of a better analogy, if you don't move it fast. So back to uh, quarterbacks and running backs. Uh, quarterbacks uh, psychologically, a hockey player who thinks like a quarterback can play an awfully long time, many many years, and there is no cap on when he'll uh, he'll stop playing. But a player that thinks about thinks of himself as a running back, how far can I go? How many goals can I get? Well, there's a there's a life there's a short life expectancy on you because you're not using your teammates. Nearly as well as you should, and it's much easier to to, to defend. So that's my philosophy on it.
1: Doug, uh, I know rugby coaches get quite excited about physical players with good attitude, but when you're picking your hockey teams, um, how much do you have to weigh up the, the the great skill of a player who can do anything with a puck, and then the player who's also physical and and can sort of barge his way around the ice and, and dominate. Um, what sort of mixture of a player are you looking for and and does that change with the whole group that you need that, that some guys that can do one particular thing or do you want to have a have a whole team of skillful players
0: no, that, great question and and you certainly need that blend and uh certainly the more size you have, the better because it size always helps but it, it always comes back to size without without brains uh it it's much easier to to defend. So you develop uh, – Scotty Bowman used to talk, talk an awful lot about having the smartest team on the ice so you can control the ball and keep changing directions and uh, never never let the other team know what's going to happen next. Uh, if if all you're going to do is come straight at them, then the other team will eventually set up a system to, to, to slow you down, no matter how physically strong you are. So uh, I, I think brains, speed – and size are all extremely important, uh, and you need that mixture. So you you need to be brave enough to play the game, but certainly a a great pass beats trying to run through two guys uh, on the ice. And so the puck can move much faster than than anybody can. So uh, looking downfield and looking backwards, any direction is uh, number one component. And obviously, the more size and speed you have, the better off you are. But uh, it's Sam? a balancing act. You need okay. some size. You need an awful lot of size, or I should say strength. But it's not its not the number one component.
2: There's an argument in all sports about training in, in a very drill, regimented way and training in game-like situations where it's a little bit chaotic and guys have to think on the fly, small-sided games and that kind of thing. And I was wondering where you stood in terms of those, are you are you a cone guy or are you a game guy?
0: Well, certainly there's a balance. Again, there there's that that balancing act. You need to, uh, my, my view, before at the beginning of every practice, you work on your skating skills, because speed is is, is number one uh, from from a technique standpoint. You need to have the balance. You're you're uh, in, in in hockey different than than running sports. That, that art of skating uh, takes an awful lot of time and you're standing on a nine-inch uh, piece of metal. And so you have to control that like, as if it were your own feet running on, on, the, on the grass. And so we work on skating skills and then we work on uh, stick handling skills and then we work on on passing skills. But that's all in the first third of, of the practice, let's say. Uh, and I'm generalizing depending on what part of the season you're in. Uh, and then you go into an awful lot of two on ones, three on twos uh three on threes small games where you have to use your skills in a in a tight uh, confinement where you have to be able to pass quickly, think quickly, and you have one or two choices you know it gets a little when you play a full game and you got five on five, well, you can kind of hide out there because the play is on the other side of the ice, but if you make little small games during practice. You have no choice but to be engaged or else the other team quickly can take advantage of you. And so uh, you get to immediately think about how do you, how do you uh, set up a defender to pull a time and space is, is the terminology. How do you create more time and space? And, and back to the football analogies, you know, the quarterback, how do you slide into the pocket? How do you slide, roll out so that you have a little more time for your receiver to get open and or possibly run it? And so those are the game-like situations uh, in a confined environment that I think do a great job of of teaching the player to develop, uh, keeping his head up and having one or two choices and trying to decide which is the better one. Um, And then at the end, uh, we'll do some – you know, actually – I take that back. We don't do very much five-on-five scrimmaging uh, except in the game situation uh, because in in the hockey world we do play an awful lot of games. And so uh, our practices are probably an awful lot of skills at the beginning and then mostly flow drills with two-on-ones and Uh, three-on-twos, special teams, power play and penalty killing. We do a little bit of that so that they have a structure on special teams. But I'd say a, a lot of of the hockey practices that I think are the most successful are small game situations where kids have to use their skills in a confined environment.
1: Doug, how do you deal with players that want to get to the end game? And by that, I mean, they just want to be the superstars, a bit like how you talked before about the player who just wanted to score the, score the winner each time rather than go and do the hard yards. In rugby, we see uh, teams that want to play expansive games. So they want to use the football. They want to be able to throw it around. But they find that when they go to throw it around, because they're busy in the gym and maybe too cool for school, they're still not prepared to put that extra time in for the skill set that they need. So I guess in in one regard, we see a lot of rock stars before they're rock stars in, in our game uh do you come across that at all in hockey
0: sure you absolutely you you uh very similar
1: how, and, how you, and how do you deal with them with a stick
0: <laughs> <laughs> well because hockey happens so fast uh that if you don't if you don't move it quickly to your teammate he's going to get he's going to get smoked meaning he's going to get hit hard if you're a little late on a pass, or if you wait too long, you're going to get hit hard. And you, it, it, it's. I, I guess your, your, the coaches pointed out immediately, and don't let a child get away with overhandling it, or thinking they're the man, or uh, cheating their team by staying on the outside and not helping do the hard yards, as you say. You need to support at all times. Uh, never let the other team have. Have an opportunity to go down, uh, go down the ice. So you're always in a defensive posture, and then when the puck turns over, now you explode. And you need to stay tight enough so that you're an outlet. Don't ever turn your back on, on the puck uh, for more than a, you know a half of a second, so that you're immediately you're a receiver. Um, everything happens so fast on the ice that if you leave somebody out to dry, meaning you you you've skated away from them and not paying attention. They uh, they're quickly double teamed, and so you always need to be supporting one another in a in a uh, in an area where they can pass to you, and if and, and if something goes wrong, you can protect them. If they if they turn the puck over, you can you can be there to uh, help out. So, other than paying a, a close attention to detail and never letting a child get away with selfish uh, play, that I think that's the number one thing. Keep
2: reminding them, Keep reminding him. Keep reminding him to use those. Hey, Doug. Um, what about having to, having to know you got to bank on certain performances? Uh, you know, note it, note no, like consistency and that kind of thing. And, sure. Uh, and I and I also wanted to know what characteristics make great teams and great players great. What makes great teams great and great players great? And also knowing you know coaches knowing they can bank on performance because that's one of the things you were talking about is how you weed people out when there's a little bit of inconsistency in their play you can't bank on stuff
0: when, as, as the players as the players get older when when you get to high school college and, and professional uh, it's a little more blatant, uh, certainly at the professional level, but a coach, no matter what level you're at and, and I, I wish i hadn't uh, you could we could draw a picture, but I need a, a sliding scale here, but assuming a player plays at their best. Uh, if a coach can no- knows that that player is always going to be within 10-15% of his, of his strongest performance, then the coach knows how to use him on the field on the ice. If a player's consistency is all over the map, where he might only be at 60% then 100%, then 70% A coach doesn't know when he can trust him to put him on the ice. And that is very hard for – in a team sport like hockey, it it doesn't work too well. No matter how talented you are, if a coach doesn't know when you're going to be conscientious and help help the team get the puck out of the zone or if you're going to be lazy and, and wait for someone else to do it, well, he can't trust you. He can't put you on the ice in tough situations and, and eventually you get weeded out some other team will might take a chance on you because you have a high skill level but if you're not consistently near your let i'm just going to pick the number 15 percent of your of your potential then then uh, a team uh, a team sport like hockey doesn't want you because uh the most important thing is to be able to rely on one another to be there to support uh, and not give up the uh, any offensive chances for the other team you know defense wins wins uh, championships I'm sure everyone's heard that before you don't let the other team score and you need to know as a linemate, as a teammate you look to your side and you know that your your winger is gonna pick up his man and, and or be able to guide him towards you so you can help double team and if you don't know if that man's if your teammates gonna blow his assignment you don't know whether to cheat over and help or not so It it makes everybody freeze and nobody does their job very well if there's someone who's playing inconsistently. And uh, when uh, Scotty Bowman once said uh, that skills can win regular season games, but character wins playoffs. And what he meant by that was when, when it's late in a game and it's a tie game and it's 1 1, one minute left in a game. Kids that have strong character are still paying the price to make sure that all the details are taken care of. Their man's picked up. They're blocking shots. They're 100% sure the puck is going to get out of their end so that the other team does not get a chance to score and then then create an offense from there. But if, but if, uh, if a kid is just worried about his own stats and he's cheating, leaving the zone early, then uh, your team's playing shorthanded and chances are you're going to lose the game. And, and in the playoffs... Uh, when everybody brings their game up to another level, you can't you can't have that. So I, I like using the expression that uh, that I learned from Scotty that that skills might win regular season games, but only character wins playoff games and and accountability to one another. So that's my my philosophy that I've picked up.
2: Hey Doug, I, I, the last question is going to be going to be about your son. I know he's attending. BC next season. And, and, and obviously you're very proud. You and Maureen are very proud of that. Uh, what is a typical week for him in, in, in hockey season? So uh, in, at, at the high school level. Opportunity level. To, at, at, at the high school level. So that I just want people to know what the level of dedication is to be an elite hockey player and whether or not necessarily our elite rugby players all have that level of dedication.
0: So, so, the the everybody practices. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak generally, not about my son here. But everyone goes to practice. Everyone uh, everyone you know does their little bit of workout after practice. That doesn't that's just keeps you at par. You know, I'll, I'll say that gives you a C. If you need to get if you want to get ahead, it's all those extra hours uh, before practice, after practice, in the morning weekends, summers, that makes a difference if you want to be an elite athlete. And there was a special that I saw on the news. uh, It was one of the one of the uh, news stations, and it it, they they did a study on all professional athletes and professional musicians. And they said the first three they said, What are the common? What are the common denominators between all great athletes and the first they, they made like 10 points. And the first three were practice, practice, practice then then they went into coaching uh so that a coach who who very calmly very specifically makes you focus on the details so if there's a quarterback in football how you release the ball so that each time it's coming off smooth and how you plant your feet so that you're going to get maximum speed on the throw and you you have to make up a lot of things on the fly in in a, in a in a sport but you need to have the fundamentals down cold so that you can create uh excellence so practice 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 coaching the next one was your attitude towards your practice 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 you 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 need to enjoy working on skills and enjoy the uh even enjoy screwing up and 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 not doing something properly because that gives you feedback to your built-in computer uh, in your head that okay that's not the way to do it now how do I correct it and it's very matter of fact if someone's emotional all over the map you know in the hockey world kicking sticks or screaming or yelling he's not he's not focused enough to get the the feedback you need to be calm cool and collective and just enjoy the the uh, repetition so that you can perform during a uh, an event. And, you know, you think of how hard Tiger Woods practiced in, in golf or Vijay Singh. They say nobody ever hit more balls, and that's why those guys were at at, at the top of uh, number one in the world for so many years. And you'll find other great quarterbacks the same thing, how they, they worked on it over and over and over again. Same thing in all sports. You need, no matter how talented you are, or at the bottom of the line it said, uh, born with, born with some gifts. And yes, there are some natural, uh, skills that they, you know, you inherited from your parents, but that's not the most important. Uh, there are many talented athletes out there that never get to play because they're not strong enough in the head and enjoy the practice and enjoy the, uh, enjoy the journey. Um, my dad, my dad who, uh, taught me an awful lot about competing used to tell me and i was about i was about 14 and i thought i was pretty cool uh i thought i was a pretty good athlete at the time and i said hey, dad i want to go to a concert tonight and at the time he was trying to give me some life lessons about well at the time it was it was during the hockey season and he said well you might have played well today but if you're going to play well in uh after your senior year in college uh, when competing there is no gray area in life everything you do is going to make you a little bit everything's black or white everything you do is going to make you a little better or a little weaker uh and less likely to to reach your goal so you're not going to if you go to that concert tonight and you're a little exhausted the next day then you're not going to get out of bed and go go run a mile or work out or go shoot 100 pucks you're gonna sleep in, and then you be a little bit lazy, and then you have to catch up on your homework, and 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 it all you miss that opportunity in life to get ahead. So he used to say, "Listen, well, every time you get up out of bed, everything you put in your body—from what food you had for breakfast, the snacks you had during the day, to how early you got to practice, to how late you stayed after practice—those are those are all things that are going to add up. And you got to look at it as a marathon that you're going to run from from Boston to L.A." And every day got to go out and run those 20 miles. You can't all of a sudden show up, you know, at the time I'm 14. You can't all of a sudden decide you want to be a player at 17 and going to get into college and then decide you're a player at 21 and decide you're going to be a pro player. Every day got to do it and enjoy it. And if you don't, you might as well check out now because uh, it, it's uh, it's a long, long marathon. So enjoy the journey and every day figure out if you can get ahead of the guy and in, 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 uh, you know, a better player on your team. And if you're the best player on your team, look at the next town. If you're, you're better than the kid in the next town, look at the next state. And if you're better than that kid, look a little further. But constantly keep pushing yourself to climb that totem pole. And when you get to professional sports, it is unbelievable. Everybody is so skilled and so talented that you better be chasing the best player on your team every day to to take his position because as soon as you think you're comfortable – uh, in your second or third or fourth line spot, somebody just blew by you from, uh, from the minor leagues or from, uh, coming out of the juniors or college. And so if you're not climbing, you're going the wrong direction. And it's, uh, some parents think it's, that's too much pressure or stress or anything. I I disagree. I think it's, 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 it's just a, it's just a matter of enjoying it. And if you want to be good at something, you just get up every day and try to be a little bit better at it. And not it's not stressful. It's not pressure. It's not anything but a, a wonderful way to, to live your life. So uh, I remember being back in high school and some some uh, older kids on the team saying, Hey, isn't that a lot of pressure dad's putting on you? I said, Dad didn't put any pressure on me. He was working, he was helping me uh, with my shot one day. And I said, He's just teaching me. I want to learn. And so, if you enjoy if you enjoy competing, if you enjoy being good at something, every day get up and try to be a little bit better at it and uh you never know when it's gonna stop and and so my philosophy was I never wanted to wake up one morning and say I could have been if I just tried a little harder, I just wanted to uh play as long and and uh as I could and enjoy it as long as i could and, and uh so Dad's philosophy about everything makes you a little bit better a little bit weaker. Uh, worked out well for me. And so I could constantly see uh, competition along the way uh, fall back and kids much bigger, stronger and faster, but they didn't take care of themselves and, and slowly I was able to, uh, as I used the expression, uh, outrun them in the marathon.
1: I think uh, the point you made about um, the extra practice uh, and you see the elite sportsmen over and over, Johnny Wilkinson, Tiger Woods you mentioned as well, the, the great Don Bradman in cricket, these guys um, ended up uh, doing drills that uh, that that went far and beyond the normal practice session. Unfortunately, I don't see it for enough from a lot of our elite athletes, and I, I think that's um, they get into the professional environment and they do that training that's required of them, but no more.
2: Is there's, there's a lot of looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane kind of thing, mm. and uh, you know, and and also I. There's so much everybody's talking about rest, 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 rest. And I understand rest and recovery, but there are certain skills that are critical in the game of rugby that guys neglect horribly, you know, especially in terms of kicking and throwing and, 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 and kick receipt and and those types of things that, really are not high pressure these these are not taking a lot out of your body when you're doing that so I, you know th- those types of things and the mental aspect of the game where you can where you can really visualize and things like that i do think people take shortcuts and and i think that those shortcuts are shown in in, in some of the level of play and 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 the fact that that i think this game could be better a lot better and uh You know, it's just a matter of people really buying in, like Doug said, enjoying the challenge. Some great advice. Bruce,
0: I think you make a great point. And you see many athletes leave their game in the weight room. I completely agree with working out to be as strong as possible. But you need the skills so that every time you touch the ball, you catch it. Um, There is, you know, in, in hockey, that puck's moving around 100 miles an hour. And a kid needs to make sure whenever that puck comes at him, it sticks to his stick. It can't bounce off. I explained that's a fumble. And if you fumble in, let's say, football or, or rugby, nobody wants you on your team. you got to catch it every time. And then when you make a pass, it's got to go to your team or go into a constructive area where the other team can't can't take advantage of it. Um, so like a quarterback in football, if you throw a bad pass, well, no, you don't get to play quarterback anymore. you got to be able to put a tight spiral on a consistent basis. And in hockey, I think a lot of kids – think the boards are there to stop the puck you know they they don't realize it's a pass it needs to be right on the tape and it needs to stick and so as a quarterback slash receiver out on the ice it needs to be successful and and you make a great point about working on your skills especially when the body can only take so much in the in the weight room and no matter how strong you are if your skills aren't aren't there to to execute it doesn't matter Um uh, and the same goes for uh uh strength of the mind if you don't know where the other team's going to go or where your teammates are going to go you if you haven't studied the game then it doesn't matter how strong you are because you missed your opportunity you missed your window to make that pass you missed your window to to cut to an opening to catch the pass you you know uh, the you, you need to be strong in the head strong in the skills and then and as well as physically strong and and uh if you don't If you have a weakness, it will show up, and so you need to strengthen all, all aspects of your game uh, and I always tell the kids the first thing I write on the board uh, early in the season are are fast brains, fast hands, fast feet, and you need to develop all all three of those those skills
1: Doug Brown, talking hockey, but uh the themes are universal, especially for rugby union. We appreciate your time today on Rugger Matrix USA. A lot of vital points for us. And thanks very much for uh, spending uh, a good 40, or 50 minutes with us.
0: Thanks,
2: guys. That was a lot of fun. And, and Doug, my wife said to say she still has a crush on you, probably more of a crush (laughs) on you than she has on me.
1: Uh, I'll leave that alone, Bruce. Oh dear, hockey players, huh? Well, there you go. All right, Bruce. So, uh, uh, Doug, thank you very D- much. Doug's it's... probably
2: the only one who's like that. Who, who's normal uh, <laughs> of hockey? I- I've got to
1: say, just because I I paid, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, Doug, uh, just a quick thought on the uh, on the gold medal matches uh, on the ice. Uh, they were terrific to watch. But uh, gee, what about the the men's final? That
0: that that was a that was a terrific hockey game, and it was. It was uh you know, Canada won it, good for them. It was terrific. It came down to an overtime. Anything could have happened. Uh they call it their national sport for as an American. We certainly would have loved to have taken that Olympic that Olympic gold. Uh but playing them in their own hometown in Vancouver, it meant it meant the absolute world to them. Uh so kudos to them, congratulations. I have many friends that were playing on both of those teams, never mind all the other (laughs) European teams. Uh, I I think it's – in the last 10 years, the sport is – with the NHL having so many Russians, Czechs, Swedes, Finns, Americans, everyone's learning from one another. Uh, Different countries have brought different aspects of the game to strengthen it, and uh, whether it's the skill development of Swedes or the – The hustle of the americans or the heart of the canadians you know the the russians have had a great balance over the years and it's uh the sport i think is in 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 a very good place right now for the for the for the world to enjoy it i think the nhl has done a good job of of keeping fighting to uh, a minimum only to a point where it's necessary to protect players not as used as a, a bullying tactic and hopefully that Olympics helps jumpstart hockey uh, in some communities that it hasn't developed yet uh, across the southern U.S., let's say.
1: All right. Sounds um, a lot like uh, European rugby, actually, uh, getting all the uh, players from around the world to contribute. So, yeah, that's a good thing. Doug, thank you very much for your time and all the best. Thanks, guys. There he is, Doug Brown, Bruce McLean. Thanks very much for that interview. Great uh, chat today. Uh, what have you got planned uh, as you get closer to the start of the season?
2: Yeah, well, we're uh, we're we're starting up against Boston Irish on Saturday, so we've been training pretty hard, and and we trained on we trained on Monday, and then we're uh, and guys did a Pilates class last night with Mike Petrie and. We'll train on Thursday and then we'll uh, then we'll play them and and the guys will be lifting tonight and and hopefully we see what uh, we see what happens and 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 we're looking forward to the season and we're pretty we're pretty pumped with our with our team and we think we're good and we think that we're in the conversation for who's going to be there at the end. Uh,
1: and uh, just a quick reminder, you can check the Todd Clever interview on uh, Rugged Matrix USA. The Video version, and uh, we do give you a mention by the end, Bruce. Well, all nice. thank, you. It, thank do,
2: you. it had to do with thank
1: entertainment. You,
2: yeah, <laughs> I wonder what. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, well, that, that's—I I actually can't wait to see the—and—and—and—and uh, and, and I'm happy to, we're doing some uh, Rugger Matrix video versions i think that's really good so
1: yeah there'll be more to come there'll be definitely more to come it also will help that uh, todd happened to be like about um three kilometers or about a, two miles away from my place uh while he's staying here for the game against the waratahs and you know i don't know i think they might be in for an upset who knows uh, i actually like the way they can score points and that was a particular point i made to him that seventy-two sixty-five game uh, that they uh, played against the Chiefs really enabled uh, the Lions to to show what they're made of in the scoring potential. And um, they would have enjoyed that, and they know they can score tries. Uh, it was a dour struggle against the Brumbies last week. Uh, I think Tyder, who's now really solidifying that number eight jersey, um, is really starting to make a name of himself. And... And uh, also, Bruce—he—he's um, become quite the superstar in uh, in Down Under, uh, because they all want to know about the American who plays uh, for the Lions. So, uh, as we know, um, he's obviously America's captain, but uh, he is a bit of a novelty, and uh, and it's a good thing with teams like Melbourne looking for players, and maybe they should take a punt on a few of the boys.
2: Yeah, well, it's it definitely very interesting and very interesting times, and and for Todd. It, it, the fact that he's developing his skills at number eight is great because it's, it it gives us another option. Can we play another seven? Can we play Todd at eight? Do we play Nick at eight? Do we play Louis at eight? Mm. Uh, you know, there's a Louis Stanfield who you had on the show and Nick Johnson, who um, the tremendous player at Denver, you know, and and who's been hurt. So those kind of things are really big, and 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 Todd is. He's an interesting number eight because he could catch kicks. So he's, you know, he could go back and he could catch those kicks. He could return the ball. He can punt pretty well. One of the points he made is
1: he's playing behind a massive tight five, and he finds that liberates him at the back of the
2: scrum immensely. Well, it, it is unbelievable, and, and and Todd has a quick first step, and if he could really get, get himself to the point where he can control the ball and channel the ball properly and make a good decision whether to go left or right and communicate with his scrum half, then he's going to be a real factor at number 8. And, and, and the United States is going to have to beat Italy if they want to win two games in the World Cup, and they're going to have to have somebody who can match Sergio Parise. So... We're going to need to look at that number eight position and see where do we match up against Italy? How do we match up against them physically and talent-wise? And, uh, you know, a guy like Todd who can catch kicks out of the air and can put the ball downfield, he can win line-out ball, and he can run off the base. Although he's not as big as Parase, he at least it'll, – it'll give us the ability to compete with Italy if we can stay close at the end by having guys at Todd's skill and and really kind we have to start to look as the USA as as you know USA coaching staff has to start to look at how do they match up against Italy. That's the mm. game that takes them to the two win plateau. How do they match up there and how do they beat Italy? And I think that's the biggest thing they gotta do.
1: Game's all about matchups. It's the one thing I've always believed it's matchups, matchups. And uh, that often determines how you go. Bruce Pleasure to talk to you as always. Uh, a bit later in the evening for me, but uh, you know, I just have to have a couple extra wines, and I'm sweet.
2: Well, thanks a lot for doing it, Bronk, and Doug. Thanks a lot for being on the show. But I think Doug hung up. Yeah, Doug. Doug. So.
1: Uh, Doug had to get on the ice, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, he does have. Uh, Doug does have five kids, so. <laughs> um, oh dear, no wonder your wife loves him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Can I even say so. that?
2: Uh, yeah, you know what? My wife has known Doug Longer than she's known me, so. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, all, all
1: right. right. Well, I've uh, I, uh, Just a final word. I have filled in um, uh, tight on all your uh, shenanigans at Vegas, so when you catch <laughs> up with him again, you'll have a few questions, no, no doubt, from, Yes. from the no American d- captain. All right. No doubt. All, all right, right, brother. All right, Bruce, good to speak to you. We will chat to you next week. We hit Rugger Matrix episode 13.
2: And Dave Hodges will be our special guest.
1: Looking forward to it. See you all next week.